the last message in Privileges of the Kingdom series that we've been doing. This is the seventh and final message. We're reading today from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, the New Living Translation. Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life or then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. And his final admonition in this section of Scripture, think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. The Lord will help you understand all these things. I'm going to preach next 25 or so minutes, the privilege to multiply, the privilege to multiply. God bless you. You may be seated. Math is a subject that people either love or hate for the most part. Very seldom do people, are people very ambivalent about math. It's either I'm really good and I like it or I can't stand it and I'm no good. So just a show of hands, how many of you love math? All right, that's, that's a minority. How many of you hate math? How many of you don't know what the question is? All right, all right. So since the majority didn't answer, I'm, I'm assuming that what I just said is totally wrong and that most of you are ambivalent towards math until I give you a problem, and we're going to do that. It's going to be a quiz. I'm going to give you an algebra problem here in just a moment. No, I'm just kidding. When people are learning math, when you're, when you're little, you're using fingers and toes, and you're, you're doing addition and subtraction. Little Johnny has this many fingers up. How many is that? Well, it's one and two, and you count that. I don't know why Johnny's always in the mix, but little Johnny, he does a lot of stuff in life. But you start with addition and subtraction, and then as you progress through that, you get to multiplication, and you get to division, and then you start memorizing the multiplication tables. and How many of you still remember your multiplication tables? Anybody? All right, we've got a few, some college students that remember that and some other people that are saying they do, but if I ask them, they may not really know. But I'm not going to put them on the spot today. Multiplication is significantly different than addition. One of the, it's an Indian, actually an Indian uh, fable and I won't go the details of that Indian fable, but I'm going to twist it and put it in, in terms of money. If I were to ask you in this room today, how many of you would like for me to give you a million dollars today? Or, and if you've heard this, you, you already know what the answer is, I give you a million dollars today, or I give you one penny today, uh, today and it doubles every day for 30 days. How many of you would like the million dollars today? How many of you like the penny a day starting today? And the way this works, you may be familiar with this, it's really the the process of multiplication. And the 
the way it is much greater than addition. So if you start today with, with a penny, that means tomorrow I'm giving you two pennies. Now you have a total of three, right? You have one from today and you have two tomorrow. And then the next day I give you four and then it goes to eight. Then it goes to 16 and then it goes to... All right, some of you didn't know that answer and you lied about how good you were at math. Then it goes to 64 and then it goes to $1.28 and then it goes to... Oh, you guys are better than I thought you would be. And then it goes to 5.12 and we're going to stop right there because I'm going to forget... At the end, on day 30, the amount of money that you would receive just that day, $5,368,709.12, which means the total for the 30 days would be $10,737,418.24. Because of multiplication. If I said to you, how about I give you a million dollars today and then I'll just add a dollar to it a day. In a million days, of which you would never see, you'd have two million. Why? Because it's addition versus multiplication. It's just adding a little bit to what we have, but multiplication is exponentially greater. It's exponentially more effective. Exponentially, it's easy for you to say, as I failed on my diction there if you missed it. Here's what I would tell you, though, that the the Bible calls us to be multipliers, not to be adders. Not to focus on addition, but to focus on multiplication. Multiplication in the kingdom of God, if you were to, to do this same kind of idea, and there's probably 65 or 70 that were here today. If we just add one a day, then that's, or one a year. Next year, we have 66. The year after that, 67. If Nobody dies and nobody moves. But multiplication, if everybody multiplies themselves, then we go from 65 to 130. And then that 130 multiply again, you go to 260, and then you go to 520 and then you go to 1,040, and then you go to 2,080. And if you do that, ultimately, if people run run these scenarios, you'll reach everybody on earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but you never get there with just addition. You never get there with just adding a one here and adding one there, and reaching one here and sharing the gospel there, but multiplication is what we're called to do. Everyone, I would tell you, is called to multiply. Everyone has the same great commission calling to go and make disciples. Last week, we looked at everybody's called to share the gospel and to be messengers. But it's more than just sharing the message. You can get on Facebook, you can get on Instagram, you can get on TikTok, whatever you want to do, whatever social media fits your age demographic, and you can just share the gospel. And when I, I told 1,020 people saw this, I told them the gospel. That's fine, it's probably not effective, you're probably not really going to reach anybody with that, but you could say, I've checked the box and I've shared the gospel, but making disciples, that's a whole different ballgame. 
Making disciples means that you find somebody who's hungry, you share the gospel with them, they respond to the message of the gospel, they become a follower of Jesus Christ, they become born again, and then you help them to grow and to mature in their faith, to help them become all that God has called them to be, and all of us are called to make disciples. Not just those who are called to pulpit ministry, and not just those who are super Christians or whatever kind of limitations you would want to put on that to keep yourself from the call, but we're all called to multiply. And if we're called to multiply, then I would tell you it's best to make disciples His way. I can come up with all kinds of ways to try to make a disciple. They may or may not work. They may or may not be effective, but when I do it His way, and I leave the results in his hands, and that means that everything I do, if I'm doing it his way, is going to be effective. It, may, it doesn't mean I'm going to reach everybody. It doesn't mean everybody's going to come, become a fully devoted, developed, and deployed follower of Jesus, but I'm doing it his way, and I'm leaving the results to him. When I do it my way, then the results ultimately are up to me. I would rather he be responsible for the results instead of me. Can I get an amen? So how do we do this? I preached from this, this book recently, and this is, as you know, it is the last letter that Paul would write that made it into the canon of Scripture. His final letter to Timothy, Paul is in prison awaiting his execution, knowing that he is soon to depart this world and to go to heaven. And he writes this, and he, and he writes to Timothy, who is the pastor at the church in Ephesus. He gives him a whole lot of different things and, and different instructions. And in this particular section, I don't know that I, could, that I could stand here and unequivocally say that it is specifically the whole passage, the whole seven verses is about making disciples, but I can tell you unequivocally that verse 2 is about the process that we need to follow to make disciples and I'm going to take all seven verses and from that draw out five principles and five truths that will help us to make disciples God's way. The first is this, is that we must make disciples by relying on God's strength. We live in America, United States of America. And, and I realize there's people from a variety of different nations that are in this room. You were born in a different nation you're here. And one of the things that has been true of the United States is we're very individualistic. And, and we like to act like we're all self-made men or women. That what we do is because of our own ingenuity and our own efforts and our own wisdom and our own whatever adjective you want to put in there, that, that what we accomplish is the result purely of us. I would tell you, when it comes to making a disciple, which is something you're doing for him, you really can't do it. It takes him. And what Paul would say in verse 1 of 2 Timothy 2 is he, he says it this way in the NLT, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. That if you're going to make a disciple, it's going to be God's power and to rely on his strength and to rely on his empowering of you. In fact, Jesus would say this in Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. But you're going to go make disciples through the power of the Holy Spirit that is coming upon you. That's the way in which we're going to do it. In this word, you may have, if you've been around, you may have heard this before, but this, this phrase where he says, be strong, if I were to say to you, be strong, you're like, man, I've got to go pump myself up. I've got to start exercising, lift some weights. I've got to do this myself. But the verb that's used here and the tense of the verb really is this, allow yourself to be made strong. God is waiting to strengthen us, to empower us to do His will, but you have to step out and do His will. The week that we were at our general conference, 2016, it was that conference that, that God spoke to me about becoming a metro missionary and planting churches. Art Hodges, who preached the message that night that started all of this in which God spoke to me, one of the things he said is this, there's power in the going. That when you step out and when you begin to do it, that's when God's power is evident. That God's power shows up. And a lot of times what we do is we sit back and we're like, well, I just want God to, if God will drag me out there or God will just like pour this power on me, then I'll kind of explode all over everybody and, and do stuff for the kingdom of God. But the power is in the going and submitting into the word of God and the will of God and stepping out and going. Laying hands on somebody. It's not the power's here, but, but when you lay hands on somebody, that's when his power is activated. It's in the act of doing something. So if we're going to depend on his power, we have to do his will. We have to step out and hope and pray and believe. And I said hope. We don't just have to hope. We can believe that God is going to work through us when we're doing his will and we're doing his process and when we're seeking to make disciples. It's his strength, not ours. You can't make a disciple, but God can make one through you. Can I get an amen? The second thing is this. If we're going to make disciples, we need to imitate the apostles. Imitate the apostles. I don't have time to be humorous or cute here, but Paul tells Timothy, you've heard me teach these things to people. You've heard me teach them to you, and they've been, other witnesses have confirmed what I have said. He said, the things that I told you, you go and teach to other trustworthy people, and then they will in turn teach them to others. It is the process of multiplication. So in essence, what Paul is saying is like, Timothy, I told you, you tell them, they tell others, and it keeps but Timothy, when you're done telling that first person, you haven't just passed it off. No, now you, once again, you tell somebody else, and they're going to tell somebody else, and they're going to tell somebody else. And then, Timothy, you do it again. You keep telling people, and it keeps growing exponentially. It is multiplication in the kingdom of God to reach the world with the gospel and to make disciples of all men. Commit what you have learned to others. Let the ones you train do the work. When you teach and equip others, not only do they learn, but it, it, it solidifies what you have been taught yourself. People have said of, of the church that it's not a lack of knowledge, that 
Our problem is a lack of obedience to all the knowledge we already have. We know a ton. You've been, I've been around church all my life. I'll be 52 in April. Put it on your calendar, April 11th. No, I'm just kidding. I know a lot. A whole lot more to learn. But I've heard a lot. I've preached a lot. I've taught a lot. But it is the process of teaching others that causes me to remember and me to grow and for it to become solidified in my life. Once again, it's, you, you remember 5 to 10% of what you hear, maybe 10 to 20% of what you see, but you can remember up to 95% of what you teach others. So he says, Timothy, commit it to others. You're going to be strong when you do that. You're going to, you're going to be equipped to do that, and then they're going to, they're going to then equip others. So 95% of what you told them, Timothy, they're going to, pass, they're going to remember because they're passing it on to somebody else, that process of teaching, the process of multiplication. The third thing is this. We must make disciples by focusing through difficulty. Focusing through difficulty. Verses 3 and 4, Paul would use an analogy. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. Paul throws out this idea. He's, once again, he's in prison, and he says to Timothy, endure suffering like I'm doing. But don't get caught up in the affairs of life. Focus on the mission. Focus on the purpose. Focus on what you're called to do. Difficulty's going to come. Endure it without complaint. Don't feel sorry for yourself, but like a soldier, just keep fighting in spite of difficulty. And don't let the difficulty and the, the difficult things of life and the troubles and tribulation and circumstance keep you from calling Don't get tied up in civilian life, but keep the proper focus. Keep your focus upon God. Fourthly, and I'm hurrying, we must make disciples by anticipating a reward. There is maybe some disagreement in Christian circles. The Bible says that we're going to Receive a crown of life. The crown of life, it is the crown that's given to those who accomplish and win the race. We're going to see this idea. Actually, it's here in these next verses of an athlete receiving the crown, an athlete receiving the, the prize. And, and so this idea of rewards, some people would be like, well, I don't know that we're going to have rewards. We are. Bible is pretty clear on that, but we're going to throw our crowns at his feet because we recognize that the only thing we've accomplished is because of him. So we're going to get rewards. But ultimately, the only thing I'm working for and living for is for him to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. That I'm, going to, I'm looking forward to an eternity with Jesus. That's the only reward I need. I, people say, well, my mansion is going to be big because of what I've done. I don't care about the mansion. I just want to make it to heaven. I'll take whatever little shack. It doesn't matter. Just make sure I get to heaven, Lord. Just, just, let, just keep me in relationship with you so I can get there. 
But what I'm doing here is I'm working, anticipating that there is a reward coming, that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and I plan on going to heaven. I plan on spending an eternity with Jesus. Paul would say to Timothy, athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, what do you get? You get disqualified. And I don't have time to go into what can disqualify us in this life and disqualify us from getting to heaven. But what he's saying is you're running for the prize. You're reaching forward to that which is before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Paul would write to the church at Philippi. I'm striving and I'm pushing forward to reach the prize. got to follow the rules. I've got to do it his way. And to further illustrate his point, you would say hardworking farmers, they get to eat of the crops that they're growing. Farmers, I mean, you're, you're not a farmer as a, as a vocation or career and anticipate you eating everything that you, you grow. Your goal is to raise crops so that you can sell them. You make a living by selling the crops. But you keep back some of that because you need to eat. And he says the farmer gets to eat of what they're doing and what they're growing. There's a reward in doing the work of the kingdom. I, I would tell you, you've heard, you may have heard me say that righteousness brings its own reward. That when you live right and when you live in God's plan and God's way, there's just blessings that come with that. That the bad things of life are often held at bay because the the Bible says the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that fear him. You don't fear him. You're just wide open to whatever the enemy wants to do. But when you fear God and you serve him, when you're living righteous and you're living like he wants, the angel of the Lord is there to protect you. The angel of the Lord is keeping a, a hedge around about you. And God blesses you when you do things his way. So just living for Jesus brings certain rewards to you. Paul, when speaking of this athlete who can become disqualified, he would use this in his epistle to the church at Corinth. There are some vessels of honor, some of dishonor. That how we live, in part, is going to determine the rewards that we get. That how I live and how I respond to the kingdom of God now determines what's going to take place on the other side. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. It's, it's true. There's nothing special about this. It's flawed human flesh. But he has chosen to live inside of us. So because he's chosen to live inside of me, evidence the infilling of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. I'm going to do my best to live for him in anticipation of the reward that I get by doing things his way. The last thing is this, verse 7, we are to reflect on God's word. We're going to make disciples. Paul writes to Timothy, think about what I am saying. The Lord will help you understand all Think about this is 
the opposite tense of the be strong in the Lord that I told you about earlier. That be strong in the Lord, it is a passive thing where you're allowing God to strengthen you. Here Paul uses another imperative, another command. But here it's a present active verb. And what that means is to continually think about. Continually focus on the Scripture. Continually think about what the Apostle has written here. And when you continually do that, the Lord will give you understanding. The Lord will give you wisdom. James would write, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. If you don't know what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it, you just ask the Lord and you keep focusing on his word. He'll tell you. He'll instruct you. He will guide you. It's part of what this fasting week that we do every month is about, of putting ourselves in a position to hear God speak and to understand his word more clearly. It's not that God gives us stuff and answers our prayer because we torture ourselves with not eating. But it's that we clear out the stuff that would cause us to not hear him and not see him clearly. We get it, put it out off to the side. and We focus on him and he speaks to us. How do we make disciples? How do we multiply? We do it by relying on God's strength, by imitating the apostles, by focusing through difficulty, by anticipating a reward. And by reflecting on God's word. As the music comes, I thought about this and I tweak my sermon structure and format all the time. Different methodologies here and there. For the most part, I'm, I'm what would be called an expository preacher where I'm going to take a passage of scripture in the the purpose of the passage is going to become the purpose of the message, and the, even the structure of the text becomes the structure of my message, which is why I keep pointing you back to verses, and it's like, this point here comes from this verse, and this point here comes from this verse. But I, I tweak different things, and sometimes it's the, the body of the sermon, and, and sometimes it's the introduction, sometimes it's the conclusion. I think I mentioned this recently, but one of the elements that always exists in my conclusion is my seminary professor would specifically label it clinching element of persuasion. The final thing that would cause the people to want to do what it is the word is telling them to do the final thing that would motivate inspire obedience to the text Belkey and others who translate they get a copy of my notes in more detail detail than, than is in the app and I don't have it fully listed out as a clinching element of persuasion I just have it listed out in one word clincher So as I thought about praying and prayed through what I was going to say today, my clincher took a little bit of a turn. 
It, it wasn't trying to convince you to, to multiply. It wasn't to try to convince you to make disciples. Because if you believe the Bible, it's not a question, really. Most of you, this is not something new. It's not the first time you've ever heard that God has called us to go make disciples. It's not the first time that you're like, man, I never, I never knew that. You probably heard that from the person who shared the gospel with you in the first place. Why are you doing this? Because Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's what I'm doing. But the question that, that came to me Instead of trying to convince you to go and multiply your life and others, was this question, do you live a life worth multiplying? In our culture, fame and fortune and being a celebrity those people become the heroes that have celebrity and what they can do on a football field what they can do on a basketball court or a baseball field musical artists that would be rich and famous and have lots of money and lots of influence you can look at those and go man Many people do. That's their idols, and they want to be just like them. But in the kingdom of God, none of that even matters. And in fact, what I would tell you is that most of those people that our culture puts on a pedestal and holds up are living so far from God. I didn't read the article, but recent headlines about famous singer and musician that's been in a lot of Chiefs games lately. Satanic rituals and concerts and people, oh, I, I respect her. I look up to her. There's plenty of things she probably does that are great. But it's not a life worth multiplying if she misses the most important thing, which is following Jesus. It's not a life worth imitating and emulating they don't know who Jesus is. Because if you imitate them or emulate them, then you won't know who Jesus is either. So the question, do you live a life worth multiplying that, that people, can you say with the Apostle Paul, be imitators or followers of me as I'm a follower of Christ. As I follow him, you follow me. Because I'm doing it like I'm supp- you're supposed to do it so you can imitate me. That Paul, who would preach throughout the known world, could say to everybody, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. That when you see me do stuff, it's what Jesus would do. When you see me act a certain way, it's the way Jesus would act. When you see me pray for the sick, it's what Jesus would do. When you see me interact with my enemies, it's how Jesus would do it. Do you live a life 
worth multiplying today. Because to multiply something that's not in his image is not really that helpful. It's not really going to get the job done. And I realized that this side of heaven, we're never going to be completely formed to his image. Sure, Paul would say in Romans, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That We're going to be made in the image of Christ, but we're flawed human beings the sin nature that we're working to overcome I get all of that so I would just say this it's not if you've become perfect and you've got everything in order but what's your trajectory are you on a path that leads to Jesus are you on a path that leads closer to being made in the image of Jesus are you on a trajectory that's taken you closer to him or Have you once knelt at an altar and now Jesus is just something you put on a shelf and you come and say hi to him every once in a while, but he's not really a part of your life. He's not really leading your life. He's not really guiding your life. Are you growing in relationship with him? Are you growing in holiness and righteousness? Once again, I know none of us are going to be perfect this side of heaven but a little bit more every day I want to be made in His image. And a little bit more every day I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I want to be more like Him. I want to know Him, as Paul would say, the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable to His death doesn't sound all that great in one side but the other side is this that it's what's going to make me in his image it's what's going to cause me to be conformed to what he wants me to be would you stand would you lift your hands to the Lord and would you talk to him for just a moment the presence of God is in this room and he's calling us closer to him he's calling us to a deeper place and a deeper walk with him he's saying come on come closer to me today I'll make you what you need to be I'll make you into the person that I want you to be you just got to come close I'll make you into the person that's worth multiplying I'll make you into my image today 